Confessions of a Crappy Christian is powered by the Converge Podcast Network. Welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Crappy Christian. I am your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake, and every week I get to have the coolest conversations with incredible people about all the things most Christians are still not sure we're allowed to talk about. So if you've been looking for a place to land with all your crap and for someone to just be honest about what it looks like to walk through this Christian life, well, you've come to the right place. Pull up a seat, pop in your headphones and tune out your kids, and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. Welcome back. This week's episode is with one of my most favorite people, Gary Thomas. Uh, If you have listened to the show for any amount of time, you have heard him on a previous episode, which is number 62, When to Walk Away. I highly suggest going back and giving that one a listen. But today we are talking about a re-release of a book he has written called Sacred Pathways and just all about the different and unique ways we each experience God and how he created us individually to encounter him in our own ways. And if we stop trying to fit into a mold, our relationship with God is going to thrive and it is going to flourish. And it was such a great conversation just for me as always with Gary. And I cannot wait for you you to get to listen to it. All right, y'all, welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Crappy Christian. I am so excited to be with one of our very few repeat guests, uh, Mr. Gary Thomas. Welcome to the show. I'm so honored, Blake. Thank you. Yeah. So we had you on the show last year to talk about your book, When to Walk Away, Finding Freedom from Toxic People. Anybody that follows me in any capacity knows about this book because I talk about it all the time. And so you have another book out, Sacred Pathways. And we're going to talk about what that means and, and how it impacts people's lives today. So to get us started, can you kind of, can you sum up what Sacred Pathways is about and what it is and how people have them. Right. The subtitle puts it out there, Nine Ways to Connect with God. It jettisons a one-size-fits-all spirituality. This is how you have a quiet time. In fact, the very phrase quiet time disqualifies it as being an acceptable exercise for probably half of Christians. They don't want to be quiet in their quiet time. And so it took me years to really understand this. But when I grew up, uh, I'm a good bit older than you, Blake, but there was this, this thing where they taught the quiet time and here's how you have it and when you have it and what you do. And I realized that a one size fits all spirituality doesn't work. God doesn't create us as cookie-cutter Christians. We relate to him in different ways. And so I went through the Christian classics. I looked through scripture. I found how people related to God in many different ways, nine pathways or temperaments or devotional styles. It's all the same kind of way describing it came out where I just set people free. Hey, you can be who God created you to be. I, I really 
liked to stress discipline when I was a lot younger in my early 20s. And I liked the quiet time back then because you could hold people accountable. You could explain it. Then you could say, did you do it? And it's not that I don't like discipline. I think it's difficult to succeed in life without discipline. I mean, you know this, you can't have the business you have without being disciplined. But here's what I didn't understand about relating to God. There's also the power of desire. Mm. If you set up a relationship with God that is based on desire, that you look forward to, that if life happens and it doesn't, and it just can't take place, you miss it and you can't wait until the next day to enjoy it again. Is there any relation to it with the Enneagram? You know, that's why they brought out the updated version. The Enneagram is ancient. Mm Mm-hmm. But it really didn't reach popular awareness in the world that I traveled anywhere. I don't think hardly anywhere until like the early 90s. And the first edition of Sacred Pathways came out in 96. So I was vaguely aware of it. I couldn't have explained it and whatnot. There are nine pathways and nine points on the Enneagram scale. That's just a happy coincidence. There isn't a one-to-one correlation. I think some numbers are very likely to go with certain pathways, for instance. But here's the difference. The Enneagram is designed to help you understand yourself. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of stuck with it. You are who you are, and then you've got your wing, right? You've got your number, you've got your wing. And it just explains who you are, and it's kind of who you are for life. The pathways, I think, are much more fluid because it's not about understanding yourself. It's about a dynamically relating to God. Yeah. Um, and so I think people are more blends where they could be several pathways. I've had some people tell me at one point in their life, they felt like they were this pathway. At another point, they went more into that. Um, so I, I think they're, they're connected, but they really do try to accomplish two different aims. The Enneagram, yeah. to understand yourself, to understand your tendencies, which is very helpful. But the pathways are more like, these are the windows through which you see God most clearly. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, so I talk sometimes on my, on my Instagram about how, so I'm an Enneagram eight. So I'm very like rough and tumble and all that kind of stuff. And God like yells at me sometimes. Like he gets loud and kind of aggressive, but that's, I need that. It doesn't make me sad. It doesn't make me scared. I'm like, that's when I'm like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. Okay. God, you know, and can kind of focus again. And so I talk about that sometimes in, in the concept of exactly what you're saying that we all experience God different ways because he is over everything and bigger than everything, you know, and knows and created us and knows us so intimately, there are a lot of people that if they felt like God was yelling at them, it would fracture their relationship, Right, Right. you know? But for me, it like strengthens it and makes me feel like I hear him and it empowers me. And so I love that this kind of, this lays that out and helps us understand, you know, like you said, stripping away the one size fits all. Cause I mean, I grew up as a a youth group kid in the two thousands and it was the same. It was, you have your quiet time. Yes. A little bit vague on how to do that. Well, but like you have your quiet time and did you have it? And that's how you're a good Christian. And so, so, so you were saying people can be blends you've found, like you don't necessarily just have one for life. It's more seasonal. Absolutely. You know, I think when I was writing Sacred 
pathways in the 90s. Uh, I probably tested out strongest on the naturalist. Um, in part, I lived in a tiny little townhouse with my family, had a long commute. It was Northern Virginia, the Washington, D.C. area. And going out to the battlefields in Northern Virginia, where I could walk in the woods mm -hmm. for an hour and a half and not see anyone, was just one of the best ways for me to connect to God. Well, 10 years ago, I moved to Houston, Texas, which my wife fondly calls, or not so fondly calls, Cement City. Yeah, right. right. And, and com <laughs> completely flat. One of the jokes is if your dog runs away, you can watch him for three days. Um, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. So, but then we were just last month visiting my son who's bought a house in Connecticut and it's in the fall and being back in the woods. And I found this great park to go for a run. And I forgot how that just pours into my soul, how it just opens me up to prayer and worship and adoration of God. And, and so I think sometimes your life events, uh, you know, we could talk about an ascetic, which is sort of like a monk or a nun type of person. That's one of the pathways. Um, and they just need time alone and they need quiet. So if you're a young mom, good luck with that. <laughs> you know, if you're living in a dorm room in college, good, good luck with that. You're going to probably, you can find some pockets of quiet and solitude, but it's not going to be easy. And so it's, it's really about, I, I think at different times in life, finding out what's the best way for you, given who you are and your situation, how you can best connect with God. And the reason I think it's so important, Blake, is I, I think Everything flows from being loved by God. First John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. When I spend time with the Lord and, and am affirmed and encouraged, and sometimes, as you say, shouted at, <laughs> so, so convicted by him, I'm a much better husband, a much better father, a much better, a much better driver. Oh, 100%. Yeah. My, my, my problem is I'm, I, I'm a one on the Enneagram with the two wing. So I'm a rule follower. And when people break rules driving, I mean, I, that's where the Enneagram is helpful. I realized, okay, this, this is the shadow side of you where I'm just like, how dare you run that yeah. red light in front of me? And But when I've had that time where I'm affirmed by God, I'm not asking as much of my family. I'm able to give more of myself Amen. to my family. And, and that's where I think the pathways are so crucial because I really do think everything else in life flows from that. Otherwise, I'm using people. I'm feeling resentful that I'm not getting what I want from others. If I want to be a giving person, I have to have someone to give. And the best way to have something to give is to go to the father of love who pours his love out for us. Amen. I think that that's why it's so important to identify. I like what you were saying about how I know that I personally connect with God very intensely in nature. We, my parents own a place in Gatlinburg and we go there a couple of times a year. And I just, I'm a better person. I feel God more closely mm -hmm. when we're, you know, in the Smoky Mountain National Park, but I don't live there, you know, so that's not the pathway that I can walk every day. And so I have to find, you know, and identify what works for me in a concrete city, like you're talking about. And so how does, is, is there a difference between like, we're kind of talking about temperaments that, you know, God yells at me and, and all that kind of stuff. Is your 
spiritual temperament different from your personality temperament? Yes. I mean, I think there can be some connections, but again, it's not about who you are. It's about how you best see God. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why. So if you're an extrovert, there's a good chance you might be one of the pathways that I call enthusiasts. The reason is enthusiasts like to celebrate. Another marker is they like the mystery of God, the supernatural power of God. Well, it's hard to celebrate if you're not with others. <laughs> you yeah. feel a little bit funny. I mean, you can and, and they do. So, so I think enthusiasts are likely more to be extroverts. And the contemplatives who have a very relationship oriented, uh, an emotional oriented relationship with God, they want the time just to sit in God's presence. They're far more, far more likely to be introverts because frankly, people are a distraction. They yeah. keep them from really honing in on the Lord. What I've, I've loved about these pathways, Blake, as they've been out is I think they help us to appreciate each other and how none of us are all of that. It really goes with the whole purpose of your podcast that, that, that nobody's complete in themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. Give two examples. Two of the pathways we haven't mentioned yet are the activist and the caregiver. The caregiver connects best with God when they're providing care in Jesus' name. They feel closest to God. So it, it doesn't just mean sick people. It could be people that like to fix cars or help yeah. somebody move. But, but for them, that's it. And it, it typified by Mother of Teresa, the Sisters of Mercy, when they had worked with Cal, um, leprosy victims in Calcutta, she would ask every woman who wanted to join the order, does this work give you joy? And if there wasn't an immediate yes, they didn't get in. Yeah. She wasn't looking for martyrs. I mean, we're all called to care for the sick, visit people in prisons, help the poor. The difference for it being a pathway is it feeds that person. They don't have to recover from it. They right. feel closest to God. Well, it seems like the opposite pathway would be the activists who love to fight God's battles. For them, the quiet time and even church, they're they're getting volunteers, they're signing petitions, they're getting jazz to go out and do what God is really doing, whether it's an evangelistic crusade, whether it's standing up against injustice. But for them, hey, we could sing all day, but nothing's going to change. I could sit here and pray by myself. What good does that do? I've got a world to save. I've got a world to change. And so the activists can get real frustrated with the caregivers. But here's, here's Blake, I think God's brilliance. The activists are addressing systemic evil. They see a problem, they want to fix it, and they want to stop it. But at the same time, the caregivers are reaching out to the victims of evil. And, and doesn't it seem brilliant that you have God that says some people connect best with him by taking care of those who have been hurt by evil yeah. and some who feel closest to God stopping the evil? So I, I don't want a caregiver to try to become an activist or an activist to think they're supposed to be a caregiver. It's the church is, is stronger and, and more I, I honors God when we just be who God created us to be. Because he, here's what I love to use a sports analogy. He's not a coach that has to draft the best player on the market. Mm. He's the creator who makes us as he needs us to be. Amen. <laughs> he Amen. says, boy, I, I'm going to need a, a, a podcaster who understands the messy side of life crappy Christian podcast. I'm going to have Blake. I mean, who else yeah. would come up with that? Right. So um, <laughs> it's, it's really 
that kind of thing that really gives me encouragement because I've had people tell me one, it sets them free to be who they are, knowing that they may not connect with God the same way the person who led them to the Lord did or their pastor or their spouse. But secondly, when groups do it as a study, it's just so much freedom and understanding. And, and then say in the same small group, okay, that's why you want to do 45 minutes of singing and a five minute Bible reflection. <laughs> why you want to do 50 minutes Bible study and you'll put up with one song. Why you right. think, hey, let's just pray the whole time. Or you're saying, you know what, let's not meet. Let's go to the homeless <laughs> the street with the homeless and we'll, we'll, we'll pass out blankets or something. And they all want to serve God. They're all connecting with God a different way. And you say, okay, now I get it for you. That's how you best connect with the Lord. Well, and I, none of them are wrong and that's right. what's so yes. important. Yeah. None of them are wrong. They're just different. And it's, you know, that quote, like, good for her, not for me. I am a terrible caregiver. I just am. I'm the one that's, you know, patting people on the back very awkwardly, <laughs> looking around like, ah, but you need me to rally a cause. Yeah. Like, let's go. I can do that. Give all you day. a megaphone and you know exactly what to do. Exactly. Yeah. I have all the energy for that. And I think what happens is that I wish, it, you know, and there's, there's room for growth. Obviously you don't just say, oh, I'm not good at that. Or I don't connect with God in that way. So I'm not going to do it at all. Like, I think we're all called to be all of these things, but I'm not going to look at the people who are natural, incredible caregivers and say, well, I'm just, I'm just not as good as them. Or I just am not as close to God as them or, you know, that it's no, that's how they connect with God. And I think it, that's why it's so important to identify the way that you do so that you don't, you can, you don't have to compare with how other people are doing it. And if, if people are getting nervous listening to us, Blake, if you look at scripture, one, the personal quiet time that you had in the 2000s I had in the 80s it it doesn't exist yeah there's no menu to spend personal time with God um, and secondly you see such variety in scripture you mentioned God shouting at you that might appall some people but I was reading today in Elijah about how God came in the <laughs> there, there was the earthquake there was the wind and God wasn't in the fire or any of that he whispered mm -hmm. but then you go to the book of Ezekiel and it is like a rock show. Yeah. Um, you know, the music, the bells, the whistles. And Ezekiel is so overwhelmed. It says he sat down stunned for seven days. It's like a guy coming out of a rock concert and, and all of his senses have been on overload and he's just sort of zombie like, okay. I've, and, and so you have Abraham building altars, David fighting battles, Solomon offering sacrifices and giving lectures, Mary sitting at Jesus's feet. It's scripture that models for us the freedom to be who God created us to be. Jesus never said to Mary at his feet, look, you're creeping me out with those doe eyes, right? Just go fight a battle like David did, show your zeal, or build me an right. altar like Abraham did, or offer sacrifices like Solomon did. No, he he did that. And then what I loved for the parents out there, when David wanted to build a temple, God came to him, David, I'm not going to have you build a temple. Your son Solomon will build the temple. Mm. For me, here's God telling a parent, your child will have a different way of relating to me and serving me than you did. Mm. And it's not that it's wrong, but it's like, 
Solomon isn't you <laughs> and you're not yeah. Solomon. So, hey, I don't want you to do what I want Solomon to do. And I'm going to have Solomon do something differently than, than you should. And so as parents, we don't want to try to put our kids in a mini me box. Mm-hmm. We want to figure out who God created them to be and then release them. Because if we can help them develop devotional times that they look forward to and enjoy the discipline takes care of itself then we're riding the power of desire you're listening to the converge podcast network and now a message from a network supporter me 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 but also you the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, if you are a creative or a small business owner or you're in direct sales, you need to listen up because my course, Run Your Race, opens for registration on January 19th. The course only opens three times a year, so you're not going to want to miss it. And it is essentially a five-hour brain dump of all of the things that I have learned, the things that I have done wrong and had to learn how to do correctly to go from where I started two years ago to where I am today, being able to quit my full-time job and do this full-time. But it is all from a scripturally based, non-hustle, non-self-centric place and it is teaching you to use your gifts to the glory of God and to run your race well. So if you are interested, if you want more information, you can head to crappychristianco.com slash course. It's also linked in the show description and you can get on the wait list. You can find out about the free masterclass. You can learn about the new optional affiliate marketing bonus module. All the things live there. Crappychristianco.com slash I think about my, I mean, my two, I have two girls that are three and six, but they are night and day from one another, (laughs) of course. And I can already see, you know, my oldest is a feeler. She loves music. She loves dance. When, you know, we listen to worship music in the car, that is her thing. And then my youngest is like boots on the ground. I want to under, we read, you know, the Jesus storybook Bible. And she's like asking quite, this doesn't, what does that mean? You know, and I can already see, and neither of those things are really necessarily how I connect with God. Well, one's a sensate. It is, they're connected to God through the five senses. So if you tried to put her in a room, say, bow your head, close your eyes, be quiet, exactly. it would feel like torture because she it's the senses. She likes the music. She likes the sights, the hearing, all of that. The other one sounds to me like an intellectual where concepts, when she understands more about God, it's not just mental to her. Often intellectuals get slam that way right understanding new things about god opens up their heart to worship god to appreciate god oh you mean he's that or he does it that way Mm -hmm. and and so you want to bring in conceptual understandings to make her appreciate 
God. So um, that it's, it's a classic case of seeing two different kids that you want to set up two different ways. Right. Connect with God. When, when my kids were a little bit older than yours are now, we were walking through a mall and there's one of those arcades, you know, that are filled with the pinball machines and the video games. And it was just loud and buzzing and all of that. And my son, his eyes opened up, boy, dad, give me some quarters. I mean, he wanted to spend some time there. My oldest daughter was like flinching at, dad, yeah. can we get out of here? Graham's thinking, I want to spend a lot of time here. Kelsey or Allie was like, how can I get away from here as fast as I can? Well, yeah. a week later, I'm walking with her through the woods. This was in the Pacific Northwest. There's a waterfall off to the side. There was a bench under a tree. And she just went, dad, wouldn't this be a great place to have a quiet time? So we know our kids are different. Some want to be in arcades. Some want to be in the woods. Well, why don't we think they'll worship God differently? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what you said about putting her in a room and saying, you know, close your eyes and bow your head. You know, my my oldest goes to a, a private Christian school and they do worship in the morning and her teacher will send me videos sometimes and she is just (laughs) all out and then you know when they do pray she's like yeah which like you can't see me but she looks straight up she's like god's up there i'm not gonna close my eyes what if he comes through the ceiling i want to see what happens (laughs) exactly and i love that so what's kind of the next step after you you know read through this and you identify and understand how you connect with god you know differently than other people what's the next step from that yeah well every chapter has some tests so you can sort of figure out and you can even do it numerically. Okay, this is who I think I am. And and hopefully you'll come away with two or three really strong ones. And the point is that you can write your own spiritual prescription. Mm. When, when you're just like, you're feeling like, why am I so angry? Why am I so anxious? Why am I so needy? Whatever it is, you see the spiritual ailment and then you say, you know what? I really have been cheating my time with God. I'm not. I'm not receiving from him. I'm not hearing from him. This is where I can be filled up. This is where I can meet God. So it has a lot of practical, okay, if you're a sensate, this is where you go. If you're the ascetic, the intellectual, the activist, whatever, these are some things to do. And it also has at the end of the chapter, the temptations. (laughs) If you're this pathway, be aware of this. This is where they tend to go off. And then the last part is just planning your garden and finding your Gethsemane. Uh, it means that our souls need to be tended to, just like our physical bodies need to be washed and fed and cleaned. Our souls need that time as well. The whole thing about the Gethsemane, I just talk about how we often talk about Gethsemane during Passion Week mm-hmm. because it was so key in Jesus's life. That's where he was you know, betrayed, where he was praying right before he went to the cross, well, before he was arrested. And I point out, when you go through the Gospels, the reason that Gethsemane had such a big role in Jesus's life on Passion Week is because he was in the Garden of Gethsemane a ton every Mm -hmm. night. There was a reason Judas knew he could find him in the Garden of Gethsemane. He didn't have to chase around the country. He says, you know what? Jesus knows it's going down. Here's where he's going to be. It was the place when Jesus needed 
to he needed to connect with his heavenly father lord i don't want to do this i need your strength before i go through this i need to see your face and so it's what's your gethsemane mm. do you have an instrument in your hand are you by yourself are you with others are you reading are you taking a walk in the woods are you sitting down helping someone is it noisy is it quiet active past all of those things you're just saying okay this is my garden it's where jesus went when he really it's getting real i really need to connect with god uh, and it's just sort of designed to help you come out of that and say okay here's how i can feed myself and the whole point is that i i see it as a monday through saturday form of connecting with god so that on sunday we're all filled up with god and we pool our faith and because no worship leader can express all nine temperaments in one particular worship session. Right. And I, I, what you said about Judas knew where to find him. I want people to know where to find me. Not to betray me, obviously, (laughs) but I want, you know, at, at least the people closest to me to know that this is either the state or the actual place that I'm going to position myself so that they can meet me there, right? And that I, you know, the people that I love when when they're struggling, when they need to go to their Gethsemane, I know how to find them and how to join them there. And it's just like one more way to love people well is kind of what came to well, mind. Well, and it's, I, I had a wife tell me one time, she was a younger wife, and she said, I feel so much safer when I know my husband is praying. But here's what she said, Blake, that really hit me. She goes, and I don't have to ask him. I can just tell by his attitude toward me, his ability to handle stress, his overall demeanor. I know if he's been meeting with the Lord and I know when he hasn't, which means if your spouse is starting to wig out, sometimes instead of talking it out and maybe making things worse, just saying, hey, do you need some time? to go take a walk in the woods or do you need to go upstairs and close the door and I'll keep everybody quiet? Do you need to go off and do that? It's letting your spouse have that time so they can connect with God. In one sense, it's the best gift you can give your spouse. It's also one of the best gifts you can give to yourself. Right. Because you, you get a different spouse when they come back. Yes. A hundred percent. That's, and I love that there, that, the sacred pathways in the Enneagram aren't, you know, they don't necessarily match up. They're not the same, but there are, I think a lot of similarities because I, I know a lot of the people who listen to this show understand the Enneagram and I think it'll probably help them understand, you know, the pathways a little bit more that I've talked super openly that the Enneagram drastically impacted my marriage because my, I'm an eight and my husband is a one. Well, there you go. You know what it's like to be with a one <laughs> you, know, you see yeah. I, I when I found out I was a one I told my wife I'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> but we're just we're so different and we care about such different things and we recharge so differently and I love that this is a very practical spiritual way to if I know how I meet God and he knows how he meets God and we understand that about one another then exactly like you're saying we can help each other do that and what like you said what a beautiful way to love one another really well well and while there's not a direct connection as an eight 
I would have predicted that you would probably gravitate toward the activist pathway. Mm-hmm. You know, caregivers, people are thinking of twos. Uh, fives could be ascetics or intellectuals. Sixes, we haven't talked about traditionalists, but I think they fit there. Sevens, you know, most people say, oh, that's the enthusiast pathway or whatnot. But here's one little difference that when you understand the Enneagram and the pathways, you might realize that one, a certain number on the Enneagram might need something that they don't naturally gravitate toward. Yes. For instance, because you're an eight, you might not want to be an activist all the time. You might want to stick your foot into another pathway so you don't become too much of an eight. (laughs) Yeah. You know, maybe more of a contemplative or an ascetic where you, you, you write it back. And I think, you know, for intellectuals, sometimes I want to say, you know what, maybe you want to put your foot out there and try to celebrate some and whatnot. um, Just to realize that you don't get too putting yourself in a hole. I I don't want to take people out of the quiet time box and put them into a sacred pathways box. Yes. Um, And, and, and that's where I think, the pathways can really help and, and really challenge people that understand the Enneagram because we'll have great respect and appreciation for the Enneagram. It does tend to, and, and the best purveyors of the Enneagram would say fight against this, mm-hmm. but just by its name, it does tend to pigeonhole you. Right. So that you understand yourself, but also to help you break out of that. The, the whole point is how do you understand yourself so you're not imprisoned by your natural tendencies? Exactly. Well, and that's why I love that you are at one time connected to five numbers on the Enneagram because of your stress and your health and your wings. And then there's the levels of health within your number that I think what you were saying about people who understand the Enneagram more deeply, it, the Enneagram helped free me up to be who I really am. I don't, I never felt like it put me in a box. It was more reading it and saying, oh my gosh, if somebody wrote this, then that means there's others out there who feel this way. (laughs) Well, it it was when, when my wife and I, when I was studying through the Enneagram, because they asked me to, there's a, a, an appendix section in the sacred pathways on the Enneagram. They said, we, we want you to address it. So sort of the connection between that. And so when I'm studying and reading up on it, one of my kids, I just go, she's a four. I mean, Ooh. she's, if you look up the Enneagram dictionary four, you'd put this daughter's name. It's just funny. I've got one of those too. You just see it and you go, like, okay. And I would read excerpts to my wife and she just goes, oh, that's almost creepy. Yeah. <laughs> like, like they studied your kid to define this. insane. Number. There's a, so in Ian Morgan Crone's book, The Road Back to yes. or yeah, yeah The Road I Back to that You, one. that first page how it says like you may be an Enneagram eight if and then it's a list. I read it to my husband and <laughs> no joke, his response was, That's good, babe. I like that. He thought I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, 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 this isn't this a is book. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. is not, I could have written this, but I yeah. didn't. Yeah. So I just, I'm really looking forward to reading this and, and, learning more about because even though I know that that we don't have to fit into a quiet time box I think we still because we don't feel educated on how to do that well we just it's more comfortable to just sit in the box I open my bible and I read it and I write the things and then I'm done and I think that this opens that up and frees people up to experience God on a much more intimate level differently than we were taught in Sunday school and I'm really thankful for that If, if listeners would just imagine that your relationship with God 
is the most life-giving, affirming, strength-building, inspiring part of your day. Then it completely takes it out of an obligation to an invitation. And that's really what I want the Pathways to do, to make people jazzed about the thought, I get to meet with God today. I can't wait. Yes. I love it. Thank you so much for writing this in the 90s and updating it now and taking the time to explain it to the listeners. Tell people where they can find and follow and keep up with you. Yeah. GaryThomas.com is my website. GaryThomas.com. So that's got links to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I have a blog. We have Closer to Christ, Closer to Others. So two blogs. The Closer to Christ is spiritual growth and formation that Pathways would fall under. And Closer to Others, I write to married people and singles just about how to make a wise marital choice, how to grow your marriage if you're already married. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Blake. All right. That's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right. See you next week. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. 